0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto-Grinders NFL Weekly Preview. I'm Justin Carlucci with TJ Lasig. Another week of NFL action is in the books, TJ, and it was pretty crazy. How about that Arizona game?
1: Yeah, it was really an interesting interesting week overall. I mean, we had a, a lot of chalk bust yet again, which we've had a couple times this week. We had some games like the Arizona game shoot out like we expected to and my goodness I mean I I can't remember I can't remember seeing a Hail Mary that actually worked it was crazy I mean usually you know you're you're watching him chuck it up and you're just waiting for the ball to hit the ground and and what an arm for Kyler and what to just go up and get it by Hopkins that that was pretty crazy and surreal yeah
0: watch his his post game comments were awesome too he was like humbly cocky Hopkins right he was like he's like yeah there were three of them, and I forget what he said. He was like, I, I just made the better play or something, you know. And, of course, Twitter was on fire because, you know, it's 2020 and everything's on Twitter and a lot of Bill O'Brien bashing, you know, from the Texans' corner. But, man, what, what a play. I, I just – the last couple of successful Hail Marys I just keep envisioning when – didn't Aaron Rodgers do it twice in a year a couple of seasons ago? I think one was against Arizona, actually. But, yeah, what are the odds of that? Crazy.
1: Yeah, it was nuts. That was a that was an awesome game through and through. And yeah, we'll 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 dive into to some of the recap stuff here. But I mean we had Chalk Mike Davis at, at four thousand dollars that completely busted. We had Duke Johnson completely bust, which I think is not not the most surprising thing. I mean I I I did not see Davis having a floor like that. I still think that Davis was a fine play in all formats just because he was so cheap and the the expectation was so heavy there. But I mean one of the things and we were talking about it a little bit before the show, but just felt like a lot a week with a lot of groupthink from what I was seeing, right? And it was like, you know. The Mike Davis thing is one thing. I think that was a no-brainer, but then it's like you have to play Duke Johnson and you have to play Aaron Jones. And I mean, I know I'm kicking myself a little bit for playing aaron jones instead of just finding a way to get up to kamara who we know has a much higher floor and a similar ceiling and you know there were guys guys like Devonte parker that were being kind of highly talked about across the industry that i, I didn't feel great personally about Devonte parker but then I, I played him in my cash lineups anyways and it's like man how, how can we get ourselves to step outside of the group think bubble a little bit and like if you don't like a play you probably shouldn't play him and so that that's me telling that to myself now but uh, i'm sure that other people probably find themselves falling into that same trap on occasion
0: yeah the group think and you know you want to fade chalk most chalk in tournaments i mean you can get away with playing some of it Uh, the guy who won the wildcat had mike davis on his team Look, look at mike davis min price dk scoring Four catches for 40 yards and 40 rushing yards is three times value. And that's a bad game. And Mike Davis has been like walking and doing that pretty much almost all season, you know, what, four catches, 40 yards, is eight points. And then like 40 rushing yards, maybe 12 points. Um, he had less than that. And he came at what, 50, 60% ownership. And it gets to the point where which, which bill of the coin are you on? Yeah. Like you might need him and his ceiling is extremely high at that price, but the leverage people got by fading him, you know, there was a path. You know, the game script was really bad, uh, and he did play through injury to some extent. There, he had a hand injury. It wasn't a likely path, right? But it, it was a path. So, you know, kudos to to those who faded Mike Davis. So, uh, you can win with some busted chalk if it's super cheap like that. And then you get up to the Duke Johnson, like you talked about. He wasn't mid price, right? You didn't have to play Duke Johnson. But very appealing. Another guy who catches the ball out of the backfield a lot. A little revenge game narrative in there, too. Uh, It's tough. You look at those ownerships, you know, especially when you play cash games and you want to protect yourself, but it gets to the point, like you said, well, everyone has them. What do they know that I don't? You start kind of second-guessing. We both played Tyler Lockett, and I don't think either of us really wanted to. I think we both kind of fell in that trap. And that Ram-Seattle game was a huge letdown fantasy-wise. You know, you don't play the running backs against Seattle. You play the receivers. And what, Brown and Henderson both scored. So that, that's very interesting. That that's sport. That's DFS for you right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, it was, a, it was definitely an interesting tournament week. i, I, I was say before the show, I ended up with a, a profitable weekend. Kind of like, I kind of almost don't even know how because I feel like all the plays I liked didn't do very well. But I think I had some Kyler Hopkins stacks that that really helped and I mean it's easy to say in hindsight but but the clear tournament play right was to get off of the chalkier running backs and make the pivots to DeAndre Swift to Josh Jacobs and to Alvin Kamara I mean to me when you pivot to those three you're you're not giving up a ton from a projection standpoint and you're getting just so much ownership leverage I mean I'm looking at let's see, I'm looking at the wildcat right now as an example, which Mike Davis was 61% owned and DeAndre Swift for 1100 more, 11% owned. I mean, yeah, he's more expensive, but that, that's just so much, so much leverage there. And then you got Kamara coming in under 15% owned. So yeah. Interesting, uh, interesting week. And I think one to remember whenever you find yourself feeling that, you're playing a guy just because everyone is saying that you have to play them and, and your gut and the, the things that you're personally looking at don't necessarily guide you in that direction. Don't, don't be afraid to to step out of that group thing box and then play the guys that you like, the guys that you want to play.
0: What's your definition of, of gut of like gut feeling? I mean, for me, <laughs> I know it's other than something I need to lose since we've been quarantined, but when you study as much and, and you've been around and been doing this, you know, I've been doing this a while now. I've been, play, I've been playing, I haven't played annual league since I've been in third grade. I mean, I'm pulling up these like Yahoo sports I had like a couple of years ago, log in to see like some of your first teams in your histories. And I was pulling up like Fred Taylor, Jeff Garcia teams and things like that. It was pretty cool. But I feel like your gut is just, you know, you can look at the 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 analysis and the numbers that are going on now, but, you've just seen so many similar games and similar situations with the kind of that these players are in that something's either giving you a little bit of cold feet and you don't know what it is. You know, my gut's telling me, you know, maybe I shouldn't play X, Y, Z player. Just, you know, God, you got to stick with it sometimes. And it, 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 it's hard to do if, if you need to get off a guy that's like 40% owned or something like that, who's in a, you know, would seem to be in a pretty good spot. Sometimes you just got to pull the trigger. What, what do you think? You know, does your gut treat you right all the time, TJ?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say all the time, but I, yeah, I think it's just. I mean, Devontae Parker was one with me too. I, pl- I played him in both of my cash lineups, and I, I literally was texting with my friend, and I was like, "I do not understand this Devontae Parker play. I don't want to play Devontae Parker," and I did it anyways. And it's just like, yeah, the theory behind it was that Preston Williams was out, and that there's going to be more target share, and yada yada yada. But like, it's Preston Williams. It's not. It's not a you know, a, a big name market share dominator coming out of the lineup. It's, a, it's an average receiver. And so I think that especially in, in this 2020 age of DFS, there's so much content out there and, and people just latch on to a few guys. And then it's, you know, it's, it's also easier. It's easier to sit here now and have played the guys that everyone played and say, oh, well, I just got unlucky because they didn't work out but there were the good plays because everyone did it then to be on the other side of it. And you don't play the popular plays and then they smash and you just feel like you're an idiot because everyone's like, how could you not have played Devonte Parker? He was clearly a smash. So I think that there's certainly an element there. And, and I don't, I thought that I was over that feeling. And, and I think that I've gotten much better about that and kind of not having thinking about that too much but but clearly it it did impact some of my decision making and I think it's something that store away and and learn from it and like you said remember those situations that that's kind of where your gut comes from it's like I've been here before I've done this before I've played chalk Duke Johnson before and he 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 got five points and it's like a, a spot like that's gonna emerge again in the future so Throw right. that away in your and gut
0: and listen to it. It's not a sure thing, but Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson, and Smash Spot is never a hundred percent, right? So, Absolutely it, it might look appealing, but just think of all the outcomes that are possible. And that uh, I'm really disappointed that that game had some poor weather because I really wanted to play Houston Stack, but the weather was so bad, right? I, you know, yeah. and this we're at the point of the year where we've talked about it on a few podcasts now where. You gotta be checking out the weather. Check out what Kevin Roth does for our Roto Granders team. You know, he tweets frequently, a lot of good content there. And uh Taylor, you if you've been playing the unders in some of these brutal win games, you you've been making a little bit of money the last few weeks, too. So, you know, good points there, too. But yeah, chalk chalk Davis, you know, chalk Aaron Jones will put that behind us. The Cardinals game was crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. A lot of swings on that last play. I mean, that last play alone for Hopkins was worth. Did he get the 100-yard bonus on that last play, too? Yeah, so, so, yeah. wow, that was a, whoa, man, like a 15-point 15 15 play? 15 points,
1: I think, yeah.
0: And if you stacked him with Murray, then it's uh, a huge swing. I'm sure a lot of people lost GPPs that didn't have them, and uh, maybe some uh, crept up there for the win on, on one play, which is incredible.
1: That game kind of yeah. lag-
0: lagged at halftime, too, TJ. Second half really took off.
1: For sure. Yeah, I I imagine that all of the GPP winners were probably not winning the GPP before that play, unless you happen to already be winning and have Hopkins. But, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of money swung across the industry on, on that one play there, which does, doesn't necessarily always happen, especially a play like that that late. You know, there were still, I think, one or two games that were wrapping up, but that was pretty much the last play of the slate, certainly the last impactful play.
0: What if I told you the winner of the power sweep on DK? one, You know, the 153 max mm-hmm. did not have Hopkins. Really? Kyler, Christian Kyler. Kirk, Snowflake mm-hmm. ran it back with Cole Beasley. Love it.
1: Yeah, I saw
0: Cole wow. Beasley popping
1: up. Most of the ones I saw were, were either Kyler or Josh Allen and then Hopkins wow. and Cole Beasley. But but there it is. We talked about it on the pod last week, right, that, that taking the, the cheap, low-owned piece from the popular game. And Cole Beasley, that, I mean, he he was it. Like, great play. And that power suit. we just talked about, 3% owned. I mean, you throw him in there with the game stack, you know he's going to be low-owned, but he's correlated with, with your Murray, your Kirk, your Hopkins, whoever you're playing there. And you get him at that extremely low ownership. So that is something that I'm going to continue to – to use as a strategy in my lineup, and I think is a good, you know, a good piece for everyone. I'm glad that it, it seems like every week that that's ends up happening. So it's about identifying who those pieces are and, and getting them into some of your game stack lineups. You want
0: to circle the wagons on the bills w- real quick. I will say one thing we know is that they just aren't going to run the ball this year. And if they do, it's going to be Josh Allen. So, I mean, even when Allen, you know, Allen hasn't played well against good defenses. I don't want to slander your MVP pick here. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, that ship has kind of sailed at this point. But it was fun for like two weeks. But
0: something. he's playing well against mediocre and bad defenses. Yeah, and he's running the ball. They just aren't equipped to to give it to Zach Moss or Singletary at this point. And you know, Diggs was good. You know, Allen was pretty good too. And real heartbreaker for Buffalo. Uh, John Brown finally healthy, and then they're just keep they're to keep throwing the ball. So I think all those guys are are in play. And you rewind the clock, rewind the clock like a year ago, and you're like. There aren't three Bills receivers in play every week. Never, right? But but here we are. And I think they're heading into a bye this coming week, though.
1: Yes. No. Yeah, so I like it's a good transition into the next slate here because, yeah, we don't don't have the Bills. They're on bye. We've got a really good, or at least fantasy good, Thursday night game for once, Arizona-Seattle. So you have no no Kyler and no Russ on this slate. And then you've got the Chiefs playing on Sunday night so you have no Chiefs on the slate and then you've got Rams and Tampa Bay two other kind of potentially fantasy relevant teams playing on Monday night so I think that that we're probably in for a, a lower scoring slate if I had to guess off the top just because some of the more high-powered offenses and more high-powered individual fantasy players are not on the slate and another thing that we may have that we chatted about brief, briefly is we may have 5,900 Jameis Winston at home against Atlanta. If, if Drew Brees is indeed not good to go, do we have official? Oh yeah. He's already out. He's that. So that's official. No Drew Brees. So Jameis Winston is probably going to be a, a pretty popular option to look at.
0: Man, here we go. Yeah. Minimum recovery timetable of two to three weeks. ESPN is reporting for Drew Brees. Of course, Sean Payton didn't come out and say who he's going to start yet between Taysom and Winston. But let's be real here. It's got to be Winston. So what do you think? I mean, are we going to see a Winston shock week against Atlanta? It's it's very possible. It's very possible. 5,900 on DK. I will say on the flip side for tournaments – as bad as they are, the Falcons probably have the highest chance on the main slate of a pick six this week.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, I think, I think Winston emerges as a, a chalkier play, and, and, with, and with good reason. I mean, there's a couple of things in his favor. Number one, like I just said, a lot of the top quarterbacks aren't on the slate, so we don't have the option to play those, those expensive dual-threat quarterbacks, which is going to make people more comfortable paying down when there's less of these 40-plus DraftKings points upside guys on the slate. Number two, the matchup. I mean, Atlanta is one of the better matchups that you can get. Pretty pretty weak defense. Also, a team that that offers a high powered offense. So expect a shootout there. One of the higher totals on the slate that we have is this New Orleans Atlanta game. And then third, I mean, <laughs> he's not the best real life quarterback, but James is a great fantasy quarterback because he'll just he'll just sling it. And I mean, he's got. You know, I think Jameis Kamara and then maybe even Michael Thomas become pretty interesting stack options. And, I mean, I think Kamara is probably going to be my favorite play on the slate. It'll be interesting because we'll have both Kamara in this spot against Atlanta and then also Dalvin Cook at home against Dallas. So, at least we have to kind of make a decision there because it's probably not – probably tough to play both without getting real thin.
0: Yeah, a couple of real high-priced running backs over 9K. Uh, of course, McCaffrey, we don't know what's happening there, right?
1: We do not. They're hopeful that he's going to play.
0: And, I mean, he's always in play, too. But, yeah, those guys kind of stand out head and shoulders above the rest in terms of high floor, uh, meaning Camara and Cook and good matchups. And uh, they'll carry ownerships, so I'm sure. But, yeah, I mean, Kamara obviously strikes me as maybe the top player in the slate in terms of floor. You know, they want to win the game, and <laughs> they want to they run the ball probably as much as they could, theoretically, with Winston. I mean, we know Winston's going to let it lose at some point. Um, when he was in Tampa, they just didn't have the run game, you know. We'll talk about the Bucks a little later but yeah I could see a huge day uh in store for Alvin Kamara um here we are we're saying here comes the chalk you know hindsight's 2020 right but um you know he he's he's probably pretty safe in that matchup he checks all the boxes Atlanta gives up a ton of points to pass catching running backs etc and um what are your thoughts on Michael Thomas I mean he was uh, you know, everybody was kind of looking at him as a GPP option. He had two catches, seven targets, you know, nothing, nothing really happened there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Still waiting to see him have his first big game of the season. And I mean, th- this, this could be the spot, right. And maybe he comes in at a little bit lower ownership and, and he's maybe a pivot off of Camaro going with the Jameis. Michael Thomas stack unless you wanted to pair all three together but I I certainly have no problems looking to to go back to him I mean I, yeah if I was the Saints I'd be trying to get the ball out of Winston's hands as quick as possible which could mean a lot of a lot of dump offs to Kamara and then maybe some of the, the shorter lower dot passes to to Michael Thomas and just seeing him rack up a, a bunch of catches so I mean certainly think both of them are are, are in play and then Obviously, I think we know the, the story with the Atlanta side. We've got Julio Jones. Let's see, what's the latest on Calvin Ridley? I think we have no official one way or the other whether or not Ridley will be back. I think regardless, Julio will certainly be squarely in play. I think Ridley certainly a fine option if he does indeed come back. And it seems like... All the, like, there's, there's one random Atlanta receiver has been going off <laughs> every week. So this could yeah. be another spot where you, you tack on one of those ancillary, super low-owned, super cheap guys from Atlanta in a game stack that has some upside.
0: You make a good point because every week I play Russell Gage, it's not Russell Gage. It's the guy whose last name sounds
1: like Zucchini that I can't pronounce. Yeah, like didn't he have like a crazy game last time? Yeah, (laughs) 24 points.
0: I picked him up like week three or four or whatever when when someone else was hurt the week after he went off. Like, cool, this guy might contribute on like a Josh Reynolds-type basis maybe once in a while. Uh, And then he did nothing for like four or five weeks. Now, Christian Blake's there too, right? That's the other guy. So um, it's kind of tough. And I didn't get a chance to personally watch a lot of this Niners-Saints game But, you know, there wasn't a lot of production outside of Kamara. But it seems like they just didn't run a ton of plays. Breeze threw the ball 13 times. Winston threw the ball 10 times. 23 total passing attempts and only 30 total rushing attempts. So I'm not sure exactly how the game flow went. If I have any time this week, I'd love to try to rewind a little bit and just see where they got the ball. I'm I'm sure they had some some quick scores in some favorable field positions. So I'm looking at the snaps. And Michael Thomas played 78% of the snaps. Uh, week nine, he played fifty five percent. That's only a six snap difference, right? It's good. The Saints had a, a ton of more plays in week nine than week ten. So I'm I'm encouraged with the with the field time we've seen. um You know, he was almost on the field the whole game. Looking at the other receivers here, Emmanuel Sanders fifty eight percent, and then nobody else was above forty at the at the receiver the receiving core here. So you might think that well, you know, Michael Thomas isn't producing; they're not looking at him. And yeah, we thought last week might have been the GPP spot. Um, I think you could ride that horse maybe another week when, um, I mean, let's be real here. You want to talk tournaments, the leverage you might be able to, I mean, I'm sure he'll carry ownership, but the leverage you could probably get on Michael Thomas, I'm curious to see what it's going to be. We know the matchup is as juicy as it gets against Atlanta, receivers against Atlanta, um, but how many people are going to play both of them? With maybe Jameis Winston, you know, He could for sure, but I would assume Kamara would carry higher ownership than Michael Thomas. With how good Keenan Allen's been, right against the Jets, um, yeah. of course Julio.
1: Yeah, that's what that's what I was about to say. Is that I think Michael Thomas comes in pretty low owned because if people want to play Kamara and they want to run it back with Julio, you can't play all three. I mean, you're going to run out of money. So I think that it's it's more likely that you see Kamara and Julio pairings, and so maybe that that leaves. Thomas a little bit underowned and uh worth targeting. <laughs> you know why you can't play three of them because DraftKings made Mike Davis sixty eight
0: hundred this week instead of four K. <laughs> they must have heard our podcast. I don't know, but yeah. So anyway, uh, that has that, that game has a ton of fantasy
1: potential. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. No, I was going to say. Speaking of, of Mike Davis, I think another worthy game to talk about next is the is Detroit at Carolina. We got a look, looks like we got a 49 point total. Of Carolina, two point home favorites. And is, is DeAndre Swift starting to emerge maybe as the finally lead, lead dog in the Detroit backfield here? He had 16 carries, 81 yards, five catches for 68, and a touchdown on five targets. I do not have snap data in front of me, so I cannot see. Doesn't seem the snap data is updated, so I cannot see how many snaps he played. But that's pretty good usage, and, and he's been, you know, trending up in that direction. So I think that that he's someone to keep on the radar as a, a potentially lower-owned tournament pivot. I'm looking at a third party for some snap data here. And
0: he played 43 snaps to AP's seven, and Kerry and Johnson got nine. So he oh, wow, out-touched yeah. them good. 43 to – 16. So that was the first game Swift played over 70% of the snaps this year. So you might be onto something there. You, you might be onto something there. And, you know, without Galladay, like maybe they finally realize, well, we can't just keep banking on Amandola and Marvin Hall to, to help us out. And Marvin Hall caught a touchdown. Good for him. But we can't just keep giving Marvin Jones 10 targets and expecting to be explosive at all. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah, I like that call on DeAndre Swift. And that was just a crazy game, too. Listen, Alex Smith set a career high in passing attempts. 55. He only threw 50 or more twice in his career. He's been playing football since 2005, and that was one of them. And can we please talk about the 29 targets the last two games? He's been feeding J.D. McKissick. How much of this is a game script thing? How much of this is a I'm just going to be captain check down even more than I was five years ago with Alex Smith and – maybe a lack of other playmakers other than Terry out there on the outside. I mean, can you count on McKissick going forward in this offense as long as Alex Smith is the quarterback?
1: Yeah, it's it's a an interesting question. I mean, two, two straight weeks since Alex Smith took over with 17 DraftKings points on yeah nine and seven receptions, 14 and 15 targets. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's basically playing a receiver role. It seems, and, and you can slot him in at the running back. So I think, yeah, on DraftKings in particular, I, I certainly would not look to McKissick on FanDuel, but when we're getting that full PPR, I think he, he's actually somewhat viable. I, I guess that my, my, my only concern with him is that, is, a, is there really a ceiling there? Like, is McKissick really ever going to get you 25 points? I don't maybe, know. Maybe. But I, maybe. But that—that'd be my one concern with him. But I mean, for fifty-two hundred, you, you don't need that many. Uh, you don't need twenty-five points. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I, I, I kind of laughed about it on the pod last week when I saw that McKissick had all these targets. But two weeks in a row is, is enough for me to, to to maybe take it a little bit more seriously.
0: You know, Antonio Gibson was kind of underwhelming, and he got bailed out by two touchdowns, thirteen carries, forty-five yards. 3.5 a carry against this horrendous Detroit run D. He did score twice, though. A funnier stat line for McKissick, and maybe the offensive line is to blame. He had eight carries for six yards and a touchdown, but did his damage with those 15 targets, seven catches, 43 yards. So I don't know. It's possible if they start getting – I mean, eight, eight carries on top of 15 targets is 23 opportunities. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty hard to rush eight times for six yards in the NFL. Although Jordan Howard's pretty good at it. But I don't know. I'm interested. If he's under six, hey, is kind of a poor D, I guess I'm interested. But like you said, ceiling, I don't know. But, man, it's just a strange offense right now, right? We never thought we'd be seeing Alex Smith uh, playing this year probably. that. Good for him. I mean, awesome story there. Um, anything else on Detroit? here moving forward
1: no, no I think with Detroit it's really just uh just on Swift there for me until until we have Galladay back into the picture but the Panther side there's got to be some interest. Panther there. side yeah so Panther side always interested in the Panthers obviously the running back situation is going to completely depend on whether or not McCaffrey comes back I think that if McCaffrey does play he becomes a great tournament pivot off of Kamara and Cook, because I expect Kamara and Cook to be the higher end of, uh, of the 9K-plus running backs. And, yeah, I mean, with the Carolina receivers, it's really just become spinning the roulette wheel a little bit here. It looks like they pretty much all had, what, five, six, or seven targets this past week between Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel – D.J. Moore was the one to, to get the big, the big play in the big game this week, which seems to happen pretty frequently with Carolinas, that, that one of these guys goes off for, for a big play. We saw it was Curtis Samuel the prior week. We've seen it with Robbie Anderson earlier in the week. So I don't know that there's a clear number one receiver in this offense anymore, which makes it, it difficult to go with any of them in cash too comfortably but I think that they're all certainly viable in, in GPPs.
0: I agree. Spinning the wheel a little bit, you need a little help from the game script to get enough volume. DJ Moore, great game, played really two really good games against Tampa Bay this year. Just kind of seemed to disappear, more, more or less when McCaffrey's active, but even in a couple of the Mike Davis games, he just kind of was less involved than you would imagine for a guy of his talent. I mean, Robbie really – Anderson really came in and kind of has been the the guy that, you know, commanding the targets from Theodore Bridgewater more times than not. Um, Curtis Samuel had his floor game this week after everybody was chasing for a couple of weeks. But who knows, any given week with any of these guys, it could be a ceiling game next week. They're playing a pretty bad defense. I mean, Desmond Trufant's been getting torched. The Redskins put up 27 on him. I mean, kind of enough said there. So I, I think there has to be some kind of interest in Carolina – as you were saying, whether it's a one-off, you know, whether you're, you're playing this game, maybe you could, I can't fault you for wanting to stack it in some dimension. Maybe like a secondary correlation might be better with your lineup, whatever you want to do. I think you're right. This is a pretty good spot for some explosion. I love the the McCaffrey kind of pivot off of that ownership because, you know, he came back from injury and he played a lot. They were like, you're, you're going in there, man. You're, 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 you're playing your almost typical role here. So I'm with you on that. With we'll you on that. Um, uh, where do you want to jump to next? Let's see here. Like you said, not a lot of kind of 50 plus totals. Um, the Thursday game is huge. Wow, the Chiefs 57 total. Chiefs Raiders on Sunday night football. That'll be fun. Um, and of course, the Buccaneers rolled, and they are on Monday night football. And man. We should have thought about this a little less and played an angry Tom Brady, right? I don't think anybody talked about him. Really nice game. I also don't know who Ronald Jones is sleeping with in that organization to continue getting all these touches. 190-plus yards, 98-yard run. Okay. Kind of spinning the wheel with with who's going to be the lead back in Tampa Bay now, too. Right when you want to trust Ronald Jones – Fournette gets the looks right when Fournette looks healthy, and you know Jones fumbles or this or that. You know they just give the ball back to Rojo. So I, I'll pass on that situation. I'm really glad they're not on the main slate for now.
1: Yeah, I agreed with you there. but we, we we certainly did have an angry Tom Brady and put on put on a, a solid solid showing for sure. I mean, I think another interesting fantasy game. Speaking of Tom Brady going to his former team, where we have Patriots Texans, yeah, forty eight point total. New England two and a half point favorites on the road. Wow, I think that I think that uh, you know some Deshaun Watson stacks yes. should certainly be in play this weekend, and I think that will probably be a, in contention as a cash game quarterback too. If you don't want to go with the Winston route, Deshaun Watson at 6,500 that obviously, you know, if, if you're, if you're looking at the game log, don't worry about last week, we already talked about the weather. I think that, that you can kind of write that off. But prior to that, I mean, he's pretty much showing a, a 24 point floor since earlier in the season, he has some of the easier stack options being that you can go to either fuller or to Brandon cooks um, is Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to have Duke Johnson 2.0 this week. Yeah, David Johnson's on the IR. So, you know, if you want to go back to Duke Johnson, let's see. He's at 5,400 this week. Probably be one of those spots where where nobody really wants to play him because everyone got burned by him last week. And then on the New England side of the ball, Jacoby Myers definitely has, has my interest. He's gotten 10, 14, and 7 targets. In the past three games, I uh, just think that, that he's emerging as as Cam's go-to guy, and he apparently can throw touchdowns too. <laughs> How
0: about it? The thing that stinks about this game is New England wants to be this power run team when Damian Harris is healthy. So I think, you know, where do we don't see that total over 50. It's probably because they're gonna, they are they want to chew. The only way the Patriots are going to win games is if they chew up enough clock, right, and kind of play the way the Titans did last year when they were kind of Know beat, rolling through New England and you know sticking it to Baltimore, so that kind of really stinks from a like a game, a game perspective because you know the clocks and keep running and fantasy sports is all about opportunities. But yeah, I mean Duke Johnson averaging 15 carries over his last two games and didn't really put up a nothing to write home about either of those two games. The weather was really bad in Cleveland's game against Houston, I'm kind of willing to just totally throw out that box score. And I'm totally willing to throw out most of the box score last night between new England and Baltimore. I think bill Belichick turned up the uh, Buffalo wild wings sprinklers on that last drive of the game. I mean, there was like no chance for Lamar. And, um, you know, we could talk about that briefly later, but, you know, that's who New England wants to be. You know, Myers commending a lot of the targets. He has shown a good rapport with Cam Newton. They brought in Isaiah Ford, and uh, he didn't play a single snap. And Nikhil Harry, I'm not even sure if I saw him on the field. I don't have the data in front of me. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested. And Houston's pieces with Watson are, are fairly affordable, And they probably will be for the next couple of weeks. They've been pretty cheap all year. We talked about Brandon Cooks. You know, you said he flopped his chalk week earlier this year, and he's been pretty good ever since. Um, Led the team with eight targets. Well, so did Fuller, eight and eight. Uh, Both had eight targets against Cleveland. And uh, I like that Houston uh, stack is sneaky, even though New England wants to chew up a lot of time and and kind of be that power run team. So I do like that uh, for tournaments, especially going back to Duke Johnson. With all those high nine K options you just talked about, who's going to play Duke Johnson?
1: Yeah, no, definitely he'll come in super low I think this weekend. Yeah, I'm with you there. You're you're certainly hoping for a game script where Houston gets ahead early, New England has to chase and has to start throwing more and speeds up the game a bit more. So that's why I like someone, someone like Brandon Cooks, because for for a lineup like that to hit the top of the GPPs, you want you want the long cooks or fuller type touchdown obviously for the the fantasy points but it also just speeds up speeds up the game right and forces new england to to push the pace a little bit more so i think that uh, that's that's where my my interest would be on on that front there's another another game over 50 points is the uh is green bay and indy which is an interesting interesting one um Devontae Adams' price came down a bit. I saw, back down to to eighty six hundred. I think he was like ninety five hundred last week. No, he was nine thousand. He was ninety five hundred fatal. Nine thousand on DraftKings last week. So he he only got nineteen points. So you have to take his price down. You know, that just did, a, uh, just a horrible game for Devontae Adams. I mean, that's that's basically his floor right there. Still saw twelve targets. I mean, Devonte Adams is is always in play in any format of any DraftKings game that you're playing. And uh, I think this week is, is certainly no different there. Agreed. And I think just off
0: first glance, you might actually get decent ownership on him. I'm not saying he's going to come in under 10, but, you know, in the teams maybe, which is fair, just with that Atlanta-New Orleans game and Keenan Allen being so good against the Jets, you know, Scary Terry doing his thing, just looking at some of these names and some pretty good spots. The Carolina guys, you know, have some ownership too. That I don't think we're going to see Adams pushing, you know, 25%, especially if people are going to pay for Camara in that smash spot too. Um, and India has a pretty good run D, you know, uh, they might you know, funnel the run, make Green Bay throw a little more. Uh, they're just a solid defensive unit, you know, as it is in general. But hey, Green Bay playing indoors, Devontae Adams, I- I'm fine with that. I like him for the tournament play a lot, actually.
1: Yep, agreed, and I, I mean, I even like, uh, I like Aaron Rodgers this week, which is not something I've I've been saying, because I've been talking about the dual threat quarterback options when you're paying up, but since we can't pay up for any of those, I mean, uh, obviously we have Lamar Jackson there, but I mean, I, I'm just not really interested, Lamar just hasn't quite been what he was last year, so I think I'd rather, you know, I like a Rodgers, Devontae Adams stack, and then and then there's some guys you can run it back with on the indie side. I mean Pittman, I think, is interesting to me. He had a little bit of a of a breakout spot in their last game, where yeah, eight, eight targets, seven catches, hundred one yards. They also handed it to him on a rushing attempt once. So seems like he's becoming more and more involved over there. And you know, T. Y. Hilton just hasn't Hasn't been doing a ton, so I think we're seeing a little bit of a of a shift in the who, who's the alpha receiver on the indie side of things.
0: Yeah, they say narratives aren't real. But on his birthday, Naeem Hines went for 28.5 DraftKings points. So I think people might chase him. I, I don't know. You don't know what's going on here. Like, you spend your first-round pick on John Taylor. Jordan Wilkins stinks. Um, and Naeem Hines was – I mean, he balled out. He balled out. But on the flip side, if the Packers get ahead in that stack you're talking about, you know, Hines is going to be the guy you'd think commanding some of the targets out of the backfield. So another guy who, whose ownership I'm curious to see. You know, if people are going to chase him. I mean, last two out of three weeks, he scored over 20 DraftKings points. Um I yeah. mean, he's, he's had multiple touchdowns in two of those games, though, which we know isn't going to
1: happen regularly. But but it's a thing. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it, but I mean, but that's the upside you're looking for, right? I mean, that kind of, it's kind of what I was saying with McKissick of like, ah, like McKissick might have a really high floor, but does he really have that upside? Whereas Hines, yes, he he doesn't have a floor because he could completely <laughs> get game scripted out or I don't know. It seems like Indy sometimes flip a coin in terms of who's going to play running back for them on a given week. But I mean, I, I actually, I love that call and Now that, yeah, I mean, I I am very interested in Rodgers, Adam, Stacks, running it back with either Hines or Pittman. I think that that will hopefully be pretty contrarian, too, I would imagine. Even though the game is a high total, I still think that it's not going to be the – it's not going to be super popular. I agree.
0: People really like this indie defense, right? The media talks about it, and it was a thing. So I think you kind of mix in that perception – and Rogers' price is down 900 after torching the Jags just because he's playing a better defense. Is that what it is? You know, he's 7K. He was 79 last week.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's at 7000 I mean, look look at his last four games, 29.4, 31.9, 23.5, 27.3. Like, he's smashing. Except for the game at Tampa Bay, he's right, absolutely right. smashing this year. Here, that's, that's the problem.
0: They're the best defense by far, I think, on that game yeah. log. I mean, Minnesota, Detroit, nope. New Orleans, eh, nope. Not really good in the secondary. I mean, they found all the run. Atlanta, horrible. Tampa Bay, although the last couple of weeks, Tampa Bay has looked a little confused, but they were pretty much on fire the first month and a half. Mm-hmm. And Houston, you know, Rodgers lit up Houston. Minnesota, again. The Niners are so injury-prone. The Jaguars stink. So have we seen Rodgers play against anybody formidable other than – um Tampa Bay and I'm just playing devil's advocate here totally just playing devil's
1: advocate here No, that's a great it's a great point yeah he he has had a ton of good matchups and is and is destroying in those good matchups so that that could very well be uh be the case I think that's a good a good call out
0: and we could also backtrack just ever so slightly because I'm just I know we're just having a conversation here but you know know, look at that Houston game and Cam Newton, 6,200. I mean, Houston can be ran on if it's not going to be Harris. Um, you know, I know it wasn't. we didn't watch a great football game last night. I mean, the weather was pretty bad. And you know, Cam Newton only threw the ball 17 times. Um, they still mustered together 16 points, you know. I mean, that was just a brutal game, you know, weather and everything going on. But you can even see Jacoby Meyer, you can run it back that way maybe if you want to. If if the game script there's your thing, Cooks makes a splash play, you go to Cam and grab Meyer. I just saw that. We're talking about quarterbacks. I'm scrolling through the list here. So
1: No, I agree. I think it's a I think it's a unique week in that, again, because none of these high dollar, dual threat, smash quarterbacks are on the slate it makes so many more stacks viable, in my opinion. Uh, and, And I haven't always felt that way, right? Like last week, I felt like if you were making stacks that weren't Tyler or Josh Allen or Russell Wilson, that it just, it was suboptimal. And this week, I feel like you could make the case to stack up almost any of these games because I don't think there are any of those quarterbacks that are truly separating themselves from the field from a projection standpoint.
0: Right. And not a ton with that super rushing upside um, that we're talking about here. Also, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Rule said he's hopeful Bridgewater can practice Wednesday. So I guess that's just something to keep an eye on uh, injury wise. But yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned Lamar Jackson and as a Titans fan, great i get to see an angry ravens team come in and you know face off the titans who listen man i know special teams is an important part of football but that thursday night football game i'm still dead inside you know the the third string punter who we switched to the titans switched off of you know the, the second string punter came in last week played fine was brett kern is on the ir making a tackle he got hurt and um Wow, I've never seen just special teams meltdown kind of gift the Colts that game when Naeem Hines went off on his birthday. Um, so uh, that being said, the Titans have just been out. It's a schematic thing with their defense. Vrabel has a big head. He never brought in a defensive coordinator. Dean Pease, the longtime Baltimore D coordinator, uh, was the Titans defensive coordinator last year. He did an amazing job with that unit. And, and a lot of the same faces are back. And they brought in Desmond King. And they brought in Clowney. So the most maddening thing is when you're, you're talking about Tennessee Titans football. And there's a 6-3 and three team who I'm just bashing right now is schematically they're just doing the whole giving the corner, uh, giving the receivers eight to ten yards off the line of scrimmage every play. We saw Pittsburgh do it to them. We saw Philip Rivers do it to them last Thursday night. And Vrabel just bit off more than he could chew. And I love a lot of the calls that Mike Vrabel has done with this Titans team. But not bringing a defensive coordinator is asinine. And unless they make some adjustments here and really start challenging some receivers, it's going to be rough. However, you look at this Baltimore team where Tennessee actually kind of their scheme kind of matches up pretty well with them because do you ever see Lamar take a snap and do like a two and a half step drop and just, just quick check it to Marquise Brown. No, he runs it out of the pistol. He has to run play action. You, you know, the, they're longer developing throws, which, which actually makes me not really as interested in Lamar Jackson either. I can't believe I'm saying this. So I'm really curious to see, you know, if the Titans actually make any adjustments, um, you know, and just to kind of, bump over is I mean Derrick Henry would be a hell of a tournament play this week who's going to play him against Baltimore however if you watched the game last night Damian Harris had some success on the ground career high in rushing yards and I know it was a sloppy game and some weather Baltimore had some injuries on the defensive side of the football as well but you know you want a hell of a tournament play and I'm a pretty unbiased Titans fan I hope that shows after I've just been ripping them but who's going to play Derrick Henry at 8k this week is anybody I mean, we're talking like five to ten percent, Derrick Henry, maybe. Yeah,
1: I think, I think closer to five than ten. I I just think with with Cook and Kamara, so yeah. And and, I mean, we've talked about it before. It doesn't matter with the matchup. Like, if Henry, Henry's gonna either score his ninety-yard touchdown or he's not. Like, I I don't think that that's necessarily a matchup-dependent thing, and that's that's what happens when Henry hits a ceiling. So I think that is certainly viable. I would probably save him for larger field stuff, but I think that's certainly there. And yeah, I mean, Baltimore is just tough for me to, to evaluate. And I, I really don't have a ton of, of interest in them. You just never know. I mean, Willie Sneed, two touchdowns, come on. When does that ever happen? And Baltimore used to be tough for me because the whole offense used to just be Lamar. And so I used to love playing Lamar, but never knew who to pair him with. But now that Lamar has even been taken, I think, a clear step back this week, it's just I'd rather, I'd rather target other spots that are, are maybe more more predictable and have more of those condensed target shares where you kind of know where scoring is coming from.
0: And he's had to throw more. And how many, how many primetime games have we seen Baltimore on this year where he's just missed a wide-open Hollywood Brown or DeBall was just behind XYZ receiver who you know, could have been a game-changing play? He's seen some of these things um, you know, be more of an issue than they were. And maybe the league is cashing on to him a little bit. I and mean, he just makes some unscripted plays we've seen last night that are just still breathtaking, still breathtaking. And people are very quick to say, well, Kyler's a sure thing more than Lamar Jackson. You know, it's pretty funny you know, what the recency bias is here. And Kyler's incredible. They're both incredible. I think Lamar Jackson will figure it out. You know, this was just a, a strange game. But I really am not as interested. You know, we are talking about playing Lamar Jackson last year, all year, naked in cash games, right? You can just lock him in. Yeah. But uh, it's a combination of a lot of things here, like you said, taking a step back, maybe mentally a little bit, and the other teams are catching on. And he, he doesn't have a ton of help. He only got three capable running backs. Marquise Brown is, a, I wouldn't call a possession receiver. And before um, Nick Boyle got hurt last night, grew some injury, you know, hopefully he's doing well. Mark Andrews and Boyle were basically splitting snaps the last five or six weeks, which I wasn't aware of before I actually looked into it because I don't play a ton of Ravens. Um, which would explain a lot of volatile outputs and what was happening with Mark Andrews. I mean, Willie Sneed's getting the ball a lot now. So there's not a lot of help on that Ravens offense. So the Titans-Ravens, two games were, you know, what a difference a couple of weeks makes. Both teams are jockeying for position now. The Steelers are still undefeated, so every game is very critical for the Ravens as well as the Titans. And we could jump into the Steelers because that was a game where weather was a question mark, but I can tie that into – one of the games where the Titans were playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage was against Pittsburgh, and I talked about it last week on the podcast, and we kind of saw the same thing with the Bengals playing way off the line of scrimmage. I get it. You're overmatched in the secondary. You don't know maybe who's getting the ball, but all three of those Pittsburgh receivers looked great. And we saw some people on Twitter saying, if Deontay Johnson doesn't get hurt in the first drive or two, he's going to smash. He just keeps seeing the volume. And Claypool was good. He scored a couple of times. Uh, and Juju was pretty good. But, man, Big Ben uh, and that Steeler stack won some people a lot of money. And we talked about it right here on the pod last week. We, we said we're tooting our own horn. Here's our one victory lap maybe if we can. And we're allowed a victory lap once in a while. Um, that, man, these receivers are in great spots. And, team. you know, Dallas did the same thing against Pittsburgh, that cushion. And, uh, you know, Ben's going to keep taking that. So I can't decide if it's just a schematic thing or can they just not run the – do they know they can't run the ball with James Conner? He had nine carries for 22 yards against Dallas. We thought, okay, maybe, you know, Ben was taking what the defense was giving him. 13 for 36 against the Bengals is bad. The Bengals are bad. So, maybe it's a combination of both. For whatever reason, you know, those are three very good receivers in Pittsburgh. They're getting the respect of the defense. And maybe Pittsburgh just is like, James Connor might not be it. What do you, what do you think about this, TJ? I think it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Definitely seem to be skewing much more heavily towards the pass. And yeah, Connor just hasn't really flashed much of anything so far this season i mean the last two weeks he's he's barely getting the ball 10 15 times so not yeah you you would think okay pittsburgh 10 point favorites going into jacksonville great spot for james conner but i'm i'm certainly not dying to click that button and i, I probably won't to be honest for 6600 but on the flip side yeah like you said i think pittsburgh passing game another one that that that's in play here Ben has shown some upside. You can pair, you can double stack him. Uh, Good options to at least a good option or two to run it back on the other side with Jacksonville with DJ Chark, I think would be probably my favorite one. We've seen him have some of that upside as well. So yeah, I mean, it seems uh, Pittsburgh are a good team, right? And it seems like they're just, they're going to do what's working. They're going to do what's most efficient for them. And right now that's, throwing the ball with Ben, and they're, they're, they're doing pretty well with that. So I think Deontay Johnson, like we said, whenever he doesn't get hurt, he seems to find his way to 10-plus targets and has had a quite a few big games. We've seen Claypool have his monster upside, and then we know what, what Juju is capable of, and he was off to a little bit of a slow start earlier in the season but seems to be picking it back up. So I think that, that all three of those receivers – Pairing the, and even pairing them with Ben, again, in a week where there's no clear, optimal quarterback plays, I think, think Ben is certainly viable for tournaments. Last
0: three weeks, two weeks, Deontay Johnson, uh, 10 targets week 9, 11 targets week 10. Claypool, 14 targets week 9, 11 week 10. Juju, 7 targets week 9, 13 week 10. I mean, we just haven't seen all of them when they're all healthy together a lot. Right, because Deontay's been knocked out of a couple of games. Juju, I think, missed a game, which I think is interesting. However, if you look at the air yard market share, Week 10 against the Bengals, Claypool dominated 41%. And, yeah, Deontay saw a ton of volume, but he was down there at 26%, and then there's Juju at at 19%. And dare I say, I never thought I'd be saying Juju would be the third fiddle in a Pittsburgh offense in 2020, but he pretty much is. Week 9, when everybody was healthy as well, Claypool, 39% of the air yard market share, Deontay, 21%, Juju, 15%. So, wow. I mean, we're seeing Deontay get these looks at the line of scrimmage. Maybe actually Ben is kind of one of those, like, pass options where he sees the, you know, he's one of those few quarterbacks in the league where the O.C. like, do what you got to do. And if you see that corner giving a 10-yard cushion, you can pass out of a run play. And he's getting a lot of the, you know, his, his yards after catch is very impressive, Deontay Johnson. Um, he's always running for his life. Maybe that's why he's always getting hurt. I don't know. But I guess I think we're in agreement that you know these guys are all very viable. It's tough to pick between them. You can stack them. Um but I just it just seems like Juju's the third fiddle there. We've seen all this data now, right? If they're all healthy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems that way. So I I, I find leaning towards Claypool and, and Johnson in those Pittsburgh stacks. Surprising, but Sometimes we have to have a a short memory. And just because Juju was the number one option last year does not mean that, that that's the case. And I think we have, like you said, a large enough sample at this point where I think that that's just the, the 2020 Steelers offense.
0: Got a couple minutes left here. Get on over there to Roto grinders. Our premium tools are awesome. Check out TJ's GPP article every week. Lineup HQ is amazing. Our optimizer is fantastic. Everything you need right at your fingertips. Um, I love how it shows all the team totals on Lineup HQ too. And you know, for people looking at at Vegas totals, you know it's important to look at these specific team totals as well because you might see that forty-seven and a half with the Pittsburgh-Jacksonville game we just talked about. But realistically, Pittsburgh is expected to put up a lot of points, as many if not more than some of these teams in the fifty-point total games. So just something to keep in mind. And you know, you can see all of that with our Roto grinders premium tools and really the databases we have are second to none. Really. The subscription is, is so worth it. Ton of live shows, podcasts, keep you updated. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. couple minutes left here. I know we didn't run through everything. We wanted to cover the major games, but let me hear it. Eagles Browns, anything, anything at all in this game
1: (laughs) you know I mean I really really don't know I really don't think so I mean the the Eagles are just so bad they they really are and it's almost like they bring down their opponents with them in every single week and I, I just don't know that that there's enough enough meat on the bone there for me to go back to it Dallas Goddard was the chalk tight end play last week that obviously didn't work out. <clears throat> I'm sure he'll probably get some buzz again, just because tight end is so ugly. Like we we've always talked about, and and I don't wow. There, there's not a tight end priced above five thousand this this week on DraftKings. Every single tight end is uh. under five thousand. So I mean, Goddard sitting at thirty eight hundred. Like, it, don't love it, but but I think it, it's fine and it's in play. Uh, I mean, Hooper. Yeah, Hooper only had two targets this week, so not, not not really looking to go to Hooper on the Cleveland side of things. Um, And from a, a running back standpoint, I think m- m- Miles Sanders is still fine. I think that he's probably the, the one bright spot that, that we've seen on the <clears throat> Eagles side of the ball. But, I mean, it does have a 48 total, so m- maybe I have like a reverse bias going here of like can't play games with the Eagles in it, but. It just seems to me to be a a bit of an ugly spot and I will likely not be targeting it as one of my favorite games.
0: I don't I don't mind Hooper. I'm kinda of willing to throw that game out. Um Kareem Hunt, I don't mind Kareem Hunt. Yeah. You can play Kareem Hunt. How about Nick Chubb going down the one yard line for everybody that rostered him last week to
1: yeah. to
0: run out the clock?
1: Yeah, you can play either of those guys, I think. They'll, I mean, I they'll, they'll both be
0: pretty low-owned on this slate. Like, yeah. you, you have a hard time picking between them in a good matchup, but how about in a, in a like, mediocre matchup with a ton of other good options? I mean, yeah. we're talking about 5% probably on
1: both of them, I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. They, they both had 20 DraftKings points last week, so they, you know, while, while it's not ideal to have a, a timeshare, it's – I think there there is enough ball to go around for for either of them. Obviously, do not play them together; that would be very bad. Uh, keep, but I can think you can play either of them in a tournament.
0: Agreed, agreed. Another game here. Just keep an eye on Drew Locke. I don't know if he's going to play this coming week. I haven't seen an update. As Tua, he's been three and zero since he took over in Miami. He's going to travel to Mile High at another big test. Um, I don't know if there's a lot in this game that appeals to me fantasy wise, other than potentially the defenses. But uh, kudos to Tua and the Dolphins for for getting it done. And, boy, did Drew Locke look absolutely horrible last week. Picked off four times. The Raiders had pretty nice field position for most of the game. They scored 34 points. I believe it was a 34. And Derek Carr didn't have to do a thing. Didn't throw a single touchdown in that game. So the Drew Locke experiment is – it's something. I'm not sure what it is, but – it is something. I don't know if we're going to see him, um, but, you know, that Dolphins defense has been playing much better. The personnel is finally healthy. So, if Drew Locks out, or even if Drew Lock plays, that Dolphins team might carry a bit of ownership. So, um, I know we didn't talk about the Jets' Chargers much. You know, you figure you'll see some chalky stuff on the Chargers side. You know, Keenan Allen, you know, Herbert's obviously in play. We talked about the quarterback situation this week, and Herbert's been very good. Um and, you know, Vikings-Cowboys is one of the later games. We haven't seen the result of that Minnesota game. We did briefly talk about Dalvin Cook. Um, so anything on any of that in a nutshell? Give me, like, your quick hitters on any of that. And are you considering playing Zeke at 6,500 any, in any alternate dimension?
1: No, I'm not. I'm really not going to play Zeke. I think really the only thing that interests me in the Minnesota-Dallas game is the Dalvin Cook thing. I think that he's a lock. You can pair him with the Minnesota defense. I think that's a nice little mini stack there. On the Chargers side, I think Kalen Bellage is like a real thing. Justin Jackson's now out and will be out for a bit, and they really just don't trust Josh Kelly, it seems. I mean, Bellage had 18 carries, went for 68 yards, also had six targets. So he's almost playing a little bit of a – we're working his way up to, to a workhorse role there. So I think that Belage could actually – he might end up being chalky-ish at 5,600. I'm not 100% sure on that, but uh, he stood out to me. So I think Belage, like you said, any of the Chargers are really good play. Belage in the Chargers defense, interesting. Mini stack there as well. Obviously, Herbert, Keenan Allen, certainly good plays as well. The Jets, I mean – I don't really want to play anyone on the Jets side. Like, you can throw Mims in if you want to because he's probably close to minimum price. But, like, what's he going to get you, 10 points? I I don't know. I'm not really interested in in stacking too many Jets, but I'm fine stacking against them. Maybe that would be one of the few cases where if you don't want a game stack, I I don't hate it. But at the same time, you might as well throw in, like, a 3,500 Mims just to have that correlation and then give yourself room to pay up for the studs in the rest of your lineup. So that would be my thoughts there. And yeah. Kalen Balazs,
0: revenge game, revenge game. Jets Uh cut him like a month ago. (laughs) Pair pair him up with the Chargers D. There's your correlation, man. Pair him up.
1: Boom. I I actually like that a lot.
0: I don't hate that 5,600 DK. (laughs) You're right. They don't trust. They do not trust Josh Kelly. And I just read something uh, while you were talking, because I have Austin Eckler, like all my annual leagues, of course, I think they expect him supposedly back week 12. And we'll see about that. But, Ballage week might be short lived, and he'll probably carry a, a bit of ownership, unless some other value. We'll see. Maybe not. Probably not crazy ownership because he's Kalen and He's not like Mike Davis, price four K from last week. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him like you know ten, twelve percent maybe in some formats. But I like that call quite a bit. I mean, Herbert's been putting this team in position to win, and um, they're a good offense now. It's awesome. CJ, anything else before we get out of here and wrap up? Do you have any prediction for the Cardinals-Seahawks game you want to throw in there for this coming Thursday?
1: Oh, yeah, that should be be a fun one, 58-point total. Um, Seattle's favored. I think the Cardinals Cardinals are going to win, though. I think that Seattle's a little overrated. I think that that we got caught up with the the shiny object of the, the Russell Wilson cooking, and, I mean, they just can't. Seem to stop much of anyone, and Arizona coming off of the the big Hail Mary win, I I like the Arizona side there, but should be a fun game to watch. Finally, finally a fun Thursday night football game. I feel like we've been getting a bunch of junk there, so that's my Thursday night take. And yeah, just overall thoughts on this slate. I think that because of the lack of the the high-priced quarterbacks, and because of two of the the most expensive guys. Kamara and Dalvin Cook being in such great spots I think it's a great week to differentiate your stacks and play some some, maybe even some cheaper stacks and then be able to fit in some of the the chalkier higher priced running backs just because I I think that they're such a smash so that'd be my again my my Monday morning general feel for the slate and it should be an interesting one
0: couldn't agree more couldn't agree more and just Scrolling through, I guess galladay is just listed as questionable as of now, um, but that's definitely something you want to watch too in a pretty uh, decent game environment with Carolina, so yeah, I mean with with some of these smash bots, you know Kamara and a lot of people are probably going to play Jameis Winston if he's announced the starter that uh, the ownership projections, which you can find at rotogrinders.com with a premium subscription. Uh, is going to be fun to, to analyze as the week moves on. there will be a lot of great pivot spots this week, too. So you know, keep an eye on the rest of our team, the Roto Grinders crew, a bunch of live shows this week, as usual, you know, before the Thursday night game, you know, Sunday morning, the guys do a good show uh, for a couple hours, and always great analysis. You got to love it. You got to love it. TJ, what is your content schedule like this week, and where can people find you on Twitter?
1: Yep, you can find me on Twitter, at TJL5124. EFS be coming out the GPP article on Friday, and we'll also be continuing to do my my golf content for these remaining tournaments after uh, a fun Masters weekend.
0: Awesome stuff! Awesome stuff! Hit us up on Twitter. You can follow me at the J Carlucci. What do you think of the podcast? Please subscribe, like it, give us some feedback. We want to hear your thoughts. So, hope everybody has a good week. Stay well. Stay healthy. And maybe more importantly, good luck this week in DFS. Take care, everybody.